It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now here's your host, Ted Ramey. Travis Gorlitz and Tony Saracono are the linesmen, and the Sharks move in on the offensive zone. They score right away off the opening faceoff. This line comes in with speed, and they celebrate back behind the net. San Jose wins the draw, and they throw it back down the ice off the boards. What a play by John Leonard to get it down deep, but it was the speed of Gambrell taking it away from the goaltender, Kemper, and the centering play from the left wing side by Gregor went off of Kemper, who's back in the nets, and Noah Gregor is gonna get the goal just 17 seconds into the first period, exactly the opposite of what happened here on Saturday. Yeah, it felt real good. I mean, I, I liked a lot of our game. Uh, um, you know, I know the score um, makes it sound like, uh, you know, it was, a tighter game than it was but I think uh, you know it's easy to get frustrated and uh, uh, when you when you've uh, uh, been losing games and you know you're up for nothing and the other team chips away and you know there wasn't some great goals we knew that and and, and we just try to stay positive and uh, um, you know and and push through it and I was happy to see the guys respond and we had some good performances from uh, um, you know uh, throughout the lineup all right good morning everyone how are we doing for the first time since the 10th of April Following the win on the ninth against LA 5-2, I can once again say we are waking up winners, and that is a far better place to be than we were over the worst losing streak that the Sharks had suffered since 2005 before they made the trade for Joe Thornton, which is incredible history to pay attention to, and it's something that I've hammered home consistently over this losing streak and over the season, just how spoiled, how lucky we were to have a team that was in contention and so good for a period of 15 years. It's hard to go through a season like this in which you did have that opportunity to push yourself right back into the playoff race. And at the most critical junction of the season, the team floundered. I know they are not mathematically eliminated as of yet. It just doesn't look very good. However, I will acknowledge it is not over until it is over, but it's just nice to get that win. I mean, more than anything, more than going over how the team looked, more than going over off the little things in the game, just to be able to walk away at the end of the day being the team that gets two points, being the team that gets a win. It's huge. It's massive. I cannot state that enough. And like I said before, winning is not a great cure-all, but it is an incredible deodorant. And that's a paraphrasing of a long-time phrase from John Madden, not our coach, John Madden, but the football coach, John Madden. Winning is a great deodorant. Because right now, you're not focused on the faltering. You're not focused on all the failings we've been seeing. You're focused on the fact that the team came out, did enough to win, performed in front of the fans, and now the pressure is off a little bit more. And, you know, you're seeing more young players out there, which I have no problem with. I know some people might think that that's a sign that the team is, quote-unquote, giving up on the season. I I am not in the slightest. you got to figure out something. You have got to keep on throwing S against the wall 
and seeing what sticks. And I don't mean that in a negative of any of these players being uh, crappy or anything like that, but it's like, you got to try something. You cannot keep on doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. And with Barabanov, you get him out there, looks like he's got a nice shot, was in some right spaces, made some good plays. He's rewarded with his first NHL goal. And so that, to me, immediately shows that it was a correct idea to get him some playing time. And I, I like this. You want to get more guys involved. And if those opportunities are being earned, if they think it's not just to throw out names for the sake of throwing out names, but they believe that any of these guys can bring more fresh legs, a fresh look, a lack of scouting from the opposition to where they don't know as much about their game, I am all for that. You have got to try something as long as it's a sensible something, but you've got to try something to help your team get a win. That's what the Sharks did. It paid off. We saw the lines getting shuffled up. We know there was the injury to LeBanc, but with the changes that we saw, with things being shaken up, with everything going down the way it did last night, it ultimately paid off. Now, the game itself was unnerving. I am not going to you know, not pretend that it wasn't. Because I was sitting there, the Sharks went up 2-0, and I was like, okay, I, I like this. And they go up 4-0, and I was like, there's going to be a pushback here. Arizona's fighting for their playoff lives. I hope they don't take their foot off, and they scored. And then suddenly Arizona was thrusting themselves right back into the game. And I was sitting there going, oh, my God, I cannot handle this. I, I'm not ready for this. It was easier when we were losing because suddenly you're emotionally invested in a lead at that point. You don't think it's going to go away, and then suddenly it goes from being a feel-good moment to you're staring at the TV just saying, oh, God, oh, God. And, you know, you're hoping that anything can happen. And credit to Arizona for having to push back like that, but also credit to the Sharks for having to push back of their own and scoring two more goals in light of the scoring that was coming from Arizona. The Sharks pushed back. They did not falter. They did not give up. They were tested. They were challenged. They were pushed, no doubt about any of those things, but they had a response of their own, which was critical. I mean, it was key. It was clutch. It was all of these things. The Sharks got performances from their best players. Kane, Carlson, Burns, Couture, all on the score sheet over the course of the night. That's huge. And I don't want anybody to say, oh, well, Kane's was an empty netter. Huge in the context of the game. I don't care if there's how many seconds left. What was it, eight? Huge to get that goal because at that point, anything could have happened. You had to put the nail in the coffin and Kane put the nail in the coffin. But as I was watching Arizona fight their way back into this game, I thought to myself, it's probably good that if the Sharks are going to get a win, that it is not going to be easy, that it is not going to be something where they can just kind of sleepwalk their way into this, that they're going to have to fight for it, that they're going to have to get tested, get pushed, and have to play over the course of 60 minutes, a game that requires them to be emotionally engaged. Because I think in some of the other games, over the losing streak, it's not that they felt emotionally unengaged. It just felt like you could tell the loss was coming before the game was done. Like the Sharks weren't going to have the pushback. Like the Sharks weren't going to be able to fight their way back into it. Too much of the feeling that the writing was on the wall. And that happens in the course of a losing streak because nothing's going right. You can't give yourself a lead or you can't hold on to lead or you give up an early goal or you give up a late goal and you feel that there's not going to be a pushback, or you give up a goal at the end of a period. Any of these things, any of these momentum killers, any of these things that change the emotional outlook of the game, that was what we were seeing happen over the course of this losing streak. But last night was the exact opposite. You had an emotional lift right at the start of the game, some 17 seconds in, the exact opposite of what we saw the game prior. 
Noah Gregor scoring a goal, 17 seconds in. I mean, that's huge. And then just a couple of minutes later, you had Brent Burns putting one in the back of the net. And it's the exact thing that we were talking about after the last game. And it's what Bob Bugner was alluding to during the morning skate yesterday. Just the idea that you had to have things happen where you played five minutes well, where you played 10 minutes well, where you played one good period and two good period and maybe three good periods where you had to put yourself in that situation where if you broke the game down into micro segments and you won the micro segments, then you could win the macro, right? And that's an oversimplification of how a game is played. But what's one of the things that Bob Bugner's been hitting on day after day, week after week, really month after month of this season? Simplify, simplify, simplify. Instead of trying to win a game, you win a five-minute segment. You win a 10-minute segment. You win a 20-minute period. And I understand the thinking that it's easy to walk away with that with somewhat of a confirmation bias because it did yield the correct result and you were looking for anything to yield the correct result. And obviously there's there's only two results that you can have. You can either have a win or a loss. I understand you can get a point from an overtime loss, but you really you're looking at wins and losses here. And the Sharks in this idea that everybody was coming to this conclusion, not just Bob Bugner, but flapping heads like me that you needed to simplify, that you needed to break the game down into smaller segments. We heard Brett Hedekin talking about it on the broadcast last night. Sometimes that's what it takes. Sometimes you just have to do it shift by shift by shift. And even though Arizona did fight and scratch and claw their way back into the game, I think for the most part, you can look at some performances that the Sharks really did put forth a hardworking blue collar shift by shift mentality. The one guy who didn't have the benefit of being able to do it shift by shift was Yosef uh, Kozinash. He did it period by period over the course of the entire game. And he did let in a couple bad goals, but he also made some huge saves over the course of the game, especially on a power play late for the Karayotes where they were fighting to get themselves back into it. He came up with some monster saves and just really did a fantastic job of keeping the Sharks in the game at critical points. Yes, Again, like I said, there were a couple of goals that you wish you could have gotten back. He's a young player. This is early in his NHL career. I understand that. But at the same point, he was fighting. He was battling. He was doing everything necessary to keep the Sharks in the game. And he wasn't, at times, getting the most help. I mean, you look at one of those goals, it was a bad pass from Eric Carlson that set up the opposition. That's that's going to happen. That's what hockey is. Your team isn't going to be perfect. Your goalie isn't going to be perfect. You just have to be better than the opposition over the course of 60 minutes. And ultimately, that's what the Sharks were for this game. It was a little bit misleading. I thought that the, the score was not quite indicative of the overall play of the game, that the Sharks were not just 6-4 winners over Arizona. I thought the game was a little bit more lopsided than that. But finals don't represent the overall lopsidedness of the game. They usually represent minor breakdowns. They usually represent the mistakes. They usually represent the moments where teams flourish or where teams falter. And in this game, the Sharks faltered in four moments, and that was a few too many considering how well they played for the majority of the game. But if I have to give a very simplified answer of how the Sharks won this game, it was that response right from the drop, right? It was right at the start of the game, 17 seconds in, you get the goal from Noah Gregor. Then a couple of minutes later, you get another goal from Brent Burns. The Sharks are jumped out to a lead right off the bat. They've taken emotional control of the game. They've taken Arizona out of their own game. Suddenly, Arizona's on the road and chasing a game. And the Sharks are having a good emotional response 
right off the get-go. I mean, that's not what had been happening. And even in games where the Sharks had scored early, the other opposition came roaring right back in it. And in this game, the Sharks played in control of the first period. Here's head coach Bob Bugner on their start. Yeah, we kept things uh, pretty even keel in, in, in between periods. We were, uh, you know, we were just talking about a lot of the good things that we did. And uh, and we talked about, you know, I tried to give a simplified, even in my meetings this morning, um, you know, we didn't talk a lot about Arizona. We talked about our own uh, our own package of things that we need correct from last game. And, uh, um, you know, in between periods, same thing. Here's the three points that we're doing well, continuing to do these things. And uh, we talked a lot about ourselves and just took it period by period. And it was uh, it was a good approach for some of the, you know, some new faces and, and uh, you know, and, and where we're at. Looking at themselves as opposed to looking at the opposition. That's one of the things you just heard Bob Bugner allude to. The thing that I kept on seeing with the Sharks over the course of that losing streak was they kept on shooting themselves in the foot was they kept on making mistakes at the wrong time, that they themselves were their own worst enemy. Not the other team, not the officials, not anything else. It was they were constantly doing themselves in, and that was not the case last night. They played well enough to overcome any mistakes that they made. They didn't make those mistakes at the critical junctions of the game. They came up big on penalty kills, or they came up with goals right off the bat, or they came up with a goal late in the game or two goals late in the game when Arizona was pushing back and working hard to get themselves right back into it. That's how games are won. And another aspect that should not be overlooked is that fans were back in the building. And I think that having that emotional push from the fans, hearing them cheer, hearing them push the team on at critical junctions of the game, that has an impact. And it's something the Sharks haven't had all year except for these last two games. And you know that on Saturday night, it was in even more limited capacity. Last night, it was about 500-ish fans. That can be a big help. Just hearing any sort of cheering, just hearing any sort of response, that can put gas in the tank when you need it the most. It was nice to see uh, a little bit of normalcy. And, you know, even though there weren't that many, uh, you could hear how excited they were to be back. And, uh, you know, they supported us uh, the entire time. And a little bit more on that from Carlson. No, it's nice. I think that, uh, you know, they were just as excited as we were to be back in the stands. You know, it hasn't been a, an easy season for us, you know, so so it's nice to see that as many showed up as possibly could. And, uh, you know, they were happy to be here. They were here to support us even, you know, uh, through the difficult times. And, uh, you know, it means a lot for uh, for everyone in, in, in our locker room. So, uh, you know, hopefully we can, you know, expand and uh, keep everybody, uh, you know, healthy and safe and, um, you know, more guys and uh, more people can come and enjoy uh, the game of hockey, um, you know, down the stretcher. And head coach Bob Bugner. It was very cool. And, uh, you know, the fans that we did have were very loud and very into it. And you could tell a lot of people were happy to be here. And uh, it was the first time we heard a national anthem all year. Uh, you suck. So it was good. Well, that's got to be one of my favorite post-game responses of the year. Bob Bugner enjoying the fact that the you suck during the national anthem was back. And Evander Kane on the fans. It was great. The 500 fans, they were awfully loud uh, and really engaged. Gave us a bit of a boost, especially, I think, uh, you know, when they started to come a little bit uh, in that second period. Um, you know, it was nice to have the fans behind us and, and giving, us that, giving us that support. So looking forward to uh, playing in front of them again on Wednesday. And I've been lucky enough to be at multiple sporting events without the fans over the pandemic just because of my work. And it is not the same without the fans. And there is never a lack of emotion that's on the playing field, whether it is the players giving it their all, whether it is the overall intensity of the game. That's not what has been lacking, but there is a definite lack of soul in the building or in the arena or wherever you're playing because I've been both outdoors and indoors. I will say that it is much more weird indoors because if it's outdoors, 
I don't know, it could just seem like a low-attended game or, you know, you've been outside at a baseball game. There are some quiet moments where you don't really have a whole lot of uh, fan noise. But inside SAP Center, with no one there, every noise just echoes around. It seems cavernous. It's kind of creepy. And that's the thing that I keep on coming back to. It, It feels when you're indoors with no sound wrong. Outdoors, it's a little bit different because the sound doesn't bounce around the same way. Indoors, something is definitely lacking. And even though I wasn't there last night, I can imagine how much it meant to the players to have those fans back in the building, to hear them, to have those emotional responses. And it's no surprise to me that on a night where you do have fans back in the building, that the team responded with a win. All right, we're going to take a break. On the other side, we're going to talk about some of the younger players getting opportunities. You're on Morning Tide. Coors Light wants to help you catch a Sharks game from the best seats in the house. Just share a photo of your Sharks at-home game setup to sjsharks.com slash home ice for a chance to win Coors Light Silver Seats tickets, Sharks gear, and more. Winners will be chosen weekly, so post a pic showing how you watch the Sharks to sjsharks.com slash home ice today. 2021 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Must be 21 or older. Celebrate responsibly. Brought to you by Coors Light. Coyotes moving to the shark zone. Chickland having a very strong game tonight. Sends it off the boards. Intercepted by Kane and he flipped him over the forecheck. Now Kane takes the puck. He moves down the right side across the line. Pickpocketed there by Bunt. It was back checking, but it's in front. Kane by himself. Turns and shoots wide. Rebound star. Alexander Caravella picks up his first goal. The Sharks lead 5 3. on uh, deer pinching on the boards he protects the puck he does a lot of little things and uh, he's a smart player a really smart player so I was really pleasantly surprised Dan Rusinowski and Barabanov's goal as well as Bob Bugner on the overall play of Barabanov bringing us back in on morning tide I did like his game I, I really liked his game I thought he just looked comfortable on the ice and knew where to be at the right time and to me that is an overlooked skill that I don't always know how teachable it is but When I was watching the game, when it was on offense or whether it was on defense, I thought that he looked like he was at the right place. I thought that his overall assessment of where things were developing on the ice, where he needed to be in relationship to that, I thought he played a really good game and looked like he was more NHL experienced than he is. Obviously, he has KHL experience, which is the second best league in the world, so that's going to put him ahead, but he just looked very comfortable with the NHL game in his first appearance for the Sharks. And the Sharks have to be a team right now where you're getting multiple players, multiple opportunities out there on the ice despite their lack of experience because we have to be honest with our assessment of the team right now. It is unlikely that they will make the playoffs. I'm not saying it's over. I am not saying that they are eliminated or anything like that. They are only some five points out right now, but that just doesn't paint a very positive picture, especially since St. Louis has two games in hand. But right now the Sharks have 43 points, Arizona has 47, and St. Louis has 48. So anything is possible. I'm just saying it looks relatively unlikely right now, but again, anything is possible. I'm not denying it, but 
the opportunity for the Sharks right now to get more players, more experience, to get more opportunities to evaluate their play, really look at what they have. I'm not going to view that in a negative light. I'm viewing it as taking advantage of an opportunity. And if these younger players can push the Sharks in the right direction, then you got to maximize that opportunity because sometimes fresh legs are the answer or guys that you don't have as much of a scouting look on. They can give you these opportunities. They can give you these performances. Obviously, Barabanov with, what, like 13 games played for the Maple Leafs. People don't know a lot about his game. Even though he is 26 years old, there's not a lot of ice time for him in the NHL, so he can provide a different look. Same story for Blickfeld. And ultimately, same story for Kozinas. You're getting him in an opportunity where he can test his game in relatively high leverage situations while the Sharks are still somewhat involved in this playoff race. And you saw him respond last night. That, to me, was what I appreciated the most. He didn't falter in the moment. Even if his game was not perfect, he still played well enough. Here's Bob Bugner on Kojinash. Yeah, absolutely. I think he battles hard in there, and he's a young guy, and he's still finding his game. And, you know, like I said, there's a couple I'm sure that he would want back tonight. But, uh, you know, the, the good thing about it is, is, is um, you know, the, 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 the uh, what was it, the third, fourth goal or whatever it was, but uh, it wasn't a good goal. Their last two goals weren't, weren't great goals, but they got a power play and he came up with two or three big saves on that power play. And, uh, you know, and that just shows that, you know, he's, he's got the ability to brush that off. He's got the ability to battle back and, and be aggressive still and, and, and not sit back and be conservative in the net. And, and, and that's what I like. I like a guy that's going to get in there and he's going to fight. And so, yeah, definitely deserves another start. And here's Kojanash talking about the pushback from Arizona. Yeah, I was game, uh, not many shots on the beginning. So I, I tried to be in the game, but it was kind of hard, hard game. Probably so far the hardest I played here. And uh, yeah, they, they tried to push in the end and they almost uh, they almost made it. So I'm glad we won. We scored the empty nether. And he expounded a little bit more on his overall performance. Oh, I say it was a hard game. Uh, Try to stay in the game because not many, not much to do. And uh, yeah, for sure, there was some good save uh, for sure. But uh, some can do something better the fourth one i the puck was stuck in my in my helmet and i tried to pop it out and it uh, like popped too much yeah we gotta look uh tomorrow look at the video and uh try to learn from it and he was asked whether or not he gets to keep the puck from his first nhl win yeah for sure i got the puck uh, as well from jonesy and i'm gonna keep it for sure what the Sharks are doing right now is giving more young guys more opportunities to get a chance to evaluate their game. Now, that can potentially have a negative impact on some of the veteran players who are looking at this as saying, hey, I'm playing to win a Stanley Cup. I'm trying to get a team to maximize their performance here, and that doesn't always jive with playing younger players. Here's Eric Carlson on his response to seeing more young faces out there on the ice. Yeah, absolutely. That's the way it both we're in the spot we're in because we put ourselves here and um, you know a lot of guys are going to get some looks and, and get some experience to see uh, you know where they stand uh, come next year so that's normal for uh, you know every team in our position I think and Evander Kane talked about it as well I mean we've been doing that all year let's let's be honest uh, you know I don't know how many more different players we can bring in but uh, yeah I, I get young guys and we get an opportunity you know you got to earn that opportunity as well you know it can't just be given those guys are going to have to continue to do that on a nightly basis um, you know and you saw that tonight so as long as it's it's being earned and uh, guys are guys are uh, battling to stay in the lineup and get into the lineup uh, you know I think that type of competition is healthy for uh, for a team and I think that's exactly what you want to hear from your players because both Kane and Carlson seem to be acknowledging that it has been a theme that's happening over the course of the year, and it's also to be expected when the team has put themselves in the position that they are in. 
If you are a true contending team, you are not in a period of evaluation. The Sharks are not a true contending team, so that means they have to evaluate because how else do you understand how you are going to get better unless you put the talent out there on the ice? That doesn't mean these guys are going to be brilliant right away. There's no one's expecting that. However, you have to look at these players and see what you think their ceiling can be, what you think their average play can be, what you think their floor is going to be, what is their dynamic on the ice, what can they bring to you, what can they potentially bring to other teams in terms of trades, what can they really do out there on the ice. How does their skill set translate to the NHL game? There's only one way to find that out, and that's play these guys in the NHL. And so that's what we're seeing with the Sharks right now. Whether it is a Kozinash, or VL, or Blickfeld, or whoever it's going to be, this is the opportunity that the Sharks have as a franchise to evaluate players and look towards the future. Because in the present, it is not happening. And I don't mean to be depressing in that sense. I don't mean to say, hey guys, there's no hope. Because obviously you could get into the playoffs and anything could happen. The season is not over. You just have to be realistic. You have to look at the Sharks team right now and say this is not in the window of opportunity to where this team is a true Stanley Cup contender. They are a playoff contender. That's very good right now. If you can do this reset like Doug Wilson alluded to earlier in the year, if you can do this while at the same time getting into the playoffs and te- keeping your team competitive, that is the best of both worlds because not only do your young players learn how to play in these big moments. They are also learning their NHL game at the same time. I mean, you look at the fact that Logan Couture, the Tomas Hurdle, that Timo Meyer, these guys developed their career while getting into big playoff series, while playing in big games, while playing in big moments. That has a huge impact on the career of a player to be able to understand that those big moments, that those big games, that's what you're fighting for. That's what you're preparing for. That's when you're expected to perform at your highest level. That's the relative norm with the Sharks. There are expectations for this franchise and this market that the Sharks had better be a very good team for the majority of the time. This isn't some small market with no competition. The Sharks are one of six top-tier professional sports organizations in the market. And even though the Raiders are gone, there's still a large contingency of fans who are in this market as well. And that means you're battling for their dollar. And that means you're battling for their attention. And if you are not good, if you are not going to be a contending team, it's going to be that much harder to get those dollars into your franchise. I mean, that's the relative importance of where the Sharks are right now in the second tier of teams in this division because there's Vegas, Colorado, and Minnesota. And then you got to go 17 points back of them to get to fourth place St. Louis and then one point back to Arizona and then four more points back to San Jose, and then one point back more to L.A. Then in another seven points back of L.A., you have Anaheim. They're at the bottom of the division, and they don't seem to be in the same tier as the Sharks, Kings, Coyotes, and Blues. And I'm not saying it's a good thing for the Sharks to be in sixth place in the division, because it's not. You'd much rather be higher. Like I keep on alluding to, if this reset can take place while the Sharks remain relatively contending and relatively interesting to watch, that's a best-of-both-worlds situation. And listen... Anything can happen over the course of the final eight games of the year. I'm not going to claim otherwise. And hopefully the Sharks have a correction that counterbalances the eight-game losing streak and can have them fighting in these last few games of the season. I mean, that would be the hope right now because then you'll give your fans, you'll give the media, you'll give the market something entertaining to pay attention to over the course of the entire season. So I'm trying to find the positive within the negative here, and that is that even though the Sharks are not world beaters right now, it's still been an entertaining product over the course of the year, and they are still fighting for what may be an unlikely playoff spot 
but the fight still continues with eight games left to go in the season. Having followed teams that have been nowhere near that position with eight games left in the season, this is a much better scenario to be in. And also, if the fight wasn't there, then you wouldn't have gotten the push over three consecutive periods. Two goals in the first, two goals in the second, two goals in the third. The Sharks kept battling. They tried to keep things moving in a positive direction. They didn't play like a team that feels like their season is over or that feels like they're giving up because they're playing the younger guys. They are playing with passion. They are playing with fight and battle, and you have to appreciate that. More from Bugner. Yeah, we did some good things, and you know we're, we're getting a lot more traffic around the net. It's uh, even in the last game against Minnesota, the loss we scored two goals. We're getting some bodies in front of the net, which is is, is allowing us to get some second, third opportunities. Our D, D are doing a better job of getting pucks through. And uh, you know, I thought we were good off the rush today. I thought we created and uh, um, you, you know created some chances off the rush. So again, the game's uh, the game's four nothing, and uh, um, you know it, it was a lot closer than it should be. Put it that way, and uh, and I say that with no disrespect to. The the other team, you know, there's just a couple, couple goals. I think that we'd like to have back and, and, uh, but it didn't rattle us tonight where the other night in Minnesota it did. And, uh, they got a, they got an easy one, a quick one early. And, uh, you know, it really phased us tonight. We, uh, we came back with some pushback, which was good. And this goes back to that question I've looked at with the sharks this year, when they've lost, it has often led to a slide when they've won. They have not had too many situations where they've strung together a lot of consecutive wins. This offers the opportunity to have that correction where you can maybe get back some of those eight consecutive losses that you had and push to the end of the year and see where everything is when all is said and done. We said it time and time again at the beginning of the year. The Sharks are going to be one of the teams battling for that fourth and final playoff spot in the West. That is essentially where they are right now. They are, again, five points out with eight games left to play, but it's not entirely out of line with what our expectations were heading into the year. We knew they were going to be a relatively middling team, probably fighting to stay around 500, and an eight-game winless streak knocked them from that 500 identity. Now they're offered an opportunity to get back into it. All right. That wraps it up for this edition of Morning Tide. I will see you all on Thursday morning after Game 2 against the Coyotes as the Sharks look to make it two wins in a row. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Tim Ramey signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network. Can the Sharks get control? Ferraro turns on the left boards, throws it up. It's deflected out. Now Kane's got it. He's on the left wing. He shoots for the empty net. He scores!